0: You are listening to the Sermon Stream of the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com slash sermons. Good morning. Glad to see everybody today. Today we're going to be speaking in the area of Bible authority and the application of Bible authority. Last time I was here, which was two weeks ago... I thank Rick for filling in last week as I was uh, down checking on the family and seeing how things were going there and things are going pretty well. La- uh, two, so two weeks ago I spoke on the fact that there is a pattern. We saw that there's a pattern of God's words. There always has been uh, one for uh, people to follow. Uh, in the New Testament we're given the instruction in Hebrews 8 as instructive for us. What was said to Moses in Exodus that it was to be careful to make all things by the pattern shown on the mountaintop. And so we have for us in the New Testament the pattern of sound words that Paul told Timothy to follow. Those are words that are in faith and love in Christ Jesus, but they're a pattern of how Christianity is to be lived and applied in the world today. So we know that salvation is by faith in Christ. And certainly today we've had a, a number of songs and have more to come. On our relationship with Christ and our faith in Christ, the just shall live by faith. Well, this is an ex- exercise today in reasoning by what God said and reasoning in the way of faith. Uh, there's a proverb. It's Proverb 3. It's a famous one. You'll, you'll know it as I read it. Proverb three, five, six, 6, and 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight do not be wise in your own eyes fear the lord and turn away from evil that general instruction is one that is still for us today and for the faithful to have always followed trust in the lord don't under, don't lean on your own understanding uh follow his way and he'll lead you right Don't be wise in your own eyes. Now, we give that warning for ourselves and certainly for me. As Today, we're going to be engaged in an exercise in moral reasoning and faithful reasoning. And we're going to try to do it in the things of God as we would direct uh, our lives within his church. What the church does and how the church does it has been a matter for a lot of thought and a lot of reasoning. And in many cases, these things go beyond what the New Testament says. And we don't want to do that. We also don't want to restrict in any way uh, the church, uh, us as a group, and as as a body and as a family, from doing that which the Lord would have us do. We don't want to reason ourselves in a corner so we can't do anything. Uh, We don't want to have such open-ended reasoning as that we might do uh, whatever we like, and so we today see uh, churches that literally have circuses. I don't mean that in a figurative; I mean literal, as the word "literal" means literally. There'll be a big top in the parking lot, or sometimes there'll be uh, the, the circus acts brought onto the stage. Uh, I recall uh, this is not long before we left uh, Houston uh, to soldier out to California for a while before coming to join you, good folks here. There was a. Uh, church up in the uh, very expensive and exclusive uh, northern suburbs of Houston that had uh, paid for a TV commercial. And they paid for it for months and they paid for it for many times uh, to run. And you saw this uh, uh, very hip and very fit and very nice looking uh, man in an open collared shirt holding a microphone on a stage. And then they zoomed out and you literally saw the motorcycles going up the dirt ramps Flipping over backwards, as you know, those folks are kind of want to do, and landing back on the other side of the dirt ramps on the stage. And that was part of the advertisement for the church. Okay, I think somewhere uh, they've gone beyond the authority of Christ and on the, uh, beyond the, the practice of New Testament congregations. Because I don't think any of the New Testament congregations had motorcycles in the service, did they? No. No, it was only ponies because they had horses then. No, they, all the dogs and all the ponies and all the motorcycles stayed outside, uh, only as method of conveyance, not methods of entertainment during the worship. But that, that's about as extreme as far a case as I can think to go. But we're going to talk today about this, uh, uh, some applied uh, scriptural moral uh, reasoning and how it is that we do things. And I don't think we need to have, uh, for the church, and what we decide to do, a, a set of uh, you know, esoteric logical things uh, that uh, we have uh, a vocabulary that nobody can understand. Uh, or we, have, we make it like uh, case law, where only the lawyers need to get involved to sort it out for us and tell us the conclusions. I don't think we need to have either one of those type of things. But we do need to have, I think, the kind of things that we use in just normal everyday life, normal everyday situations in normal everyday understanding, and I think God speaks to us in those kind of ways. And so today we're going to talk about inclusions and exclusions as related to the things that God has told us to do. Now, in the past, you may have heard lessons on the same topic, and they would have been called generic and specific authority. But then we spent a number of minutes explaining what generic and specific authority mean. Well, that's the kind of specialized vocabulary which might be useful, and these technical things are helpful, I think, at times. But also, if we have to spend that much time in the vocabulary, maybe it's gone beyond helpful. So a general thing or an inclusive thing basically means that when we deal with something that God has told us to do, that we can do anything or everything included in that. And so, uh, there are uh, everything that's authorized contains included things. It'll also contain excluded things. And I think, on the whole, that'll be fig- pretty well able to figure out. So, authorized things have with it everything needed to carry it out. If you're authorized to do a thing, you're authorized to do all the pieces and parts of it. You're authorized to do whatever it takes to get that job done, whether that's some funding. Or whether that's some time, or whether that's, uh, that's some additional uh, things that go with it. And so uh, we can do all the parts and portions of a thing that is necessary. And so if we're told to go, for instance, go and preach the gospel, a uh, famous case here uh, what would it take uh, in to go? Well, it might take some shoes, right? We're going to walk, might take. It, it, it might include the horse, or it might include that motorcycle. You know, get it off the stage, get it out in the parking lot and load it up with a passenger and, and, and use it to ferry somebody out there to teach the gospel. Or it might include a car. Or in modern times, it might include a plane. I suppose if we ever have a colony on the moon, go preach the gospel would include what? The space shuttle, right? Hadn't yet, but it might. And so uh, it's a, it, whatever thing is necessary with that thing, go and do that thing. But when we're told to do a thing... It also excludes a number of other things. And so go has a lot that goes with it. But go only works when you go. And so what if you don't go? Well, you're not following uh, the instruction. And so go does not include not go. And so everything includes a thing and a a, a thing that's forbidden with it. Uh, Sometimes, sometimes... Our things are directly told of what is forbidden. We're told, not this, not this, not this, not this. And so, for instance, Ephesians 5, uh, here are some things forbidden in the Christian life. Do not let immorality or impurity or greed even be among you. So nothing we're going to do as a Christian can include immorality, impurity, and Greed. I recall, again, thinking of things that just beyond the pale, because often at the extremes, things are most clearly seen. Uh, There was a group of ladies who uh, took their clothes off for a living, and they decided to do that for Jesus. Well, um, I'm thinking the immorality, impurity, and greed uh, prohibitions here, that would take that right off the table, wouldn't it? That would take that right off. Um, I would think some of the things of impurity and greed, uh, it's been true in a lot of places uh, that the church, one of the big church fundraisers for some congregations is a very large raffles, which appeal to people, you know, winning the raffle to get money for the church. You're appealing to their greed to fund the church. I would think maybe that would be off the table. Uh, as you go on in verse 7. Uh, Here in Ephesians 5, don't be partakers of of things that are evil. And verse 11, don't uh, participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead expose them. Verse 17, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And verse 18, don't get drunk with wine, for this is dissipation. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so things there prohibited. Don't work with evil. Yeah, but, but there is a great fundraising opportunity. If we work, you know, down here with whatever brewing company, well, maybe we ought to pass on that opportunity. Uh, Don't participate in things that are foolish. Don't be drunk. Again, I think things are best maybe explained at the edge. I recall a few years ago, this was down in Louisiana because it has to be. uh, But the local Catholic church was objecting to a liquor license Uh, for an establishment that was going to be just within, I think they they had a 400 feet or 500 feet exclusion zone. You couldn't have liquor stores within this many feet of a church. And the the, the liquor store application, the liquor license folk, uh, who were trying to get the license and open the new shop, they were just within that exclusion zone of the local Catholic church. And the Catholic church objected vehemently to them putting a liquor store so close to the church. It's also true on the back of the lot at the softball complex owned and operated by the church that the concession stand sold beer. That's a good fundraiser, isn't it? And so a lot of people made a lot of hay about that, and they're like, "Well, you know, maybe they just don't want the competition." And so, uh, basically, brought religion—the religion of Christ—into uh, ill repute because of these, because of these things. And so we have things forbidden, but if some. Some do them otherwise. And then also we have uh, some things not just directly forbidden, but we're reading in one passage about a thing, and we think, oh, that'll be great. But then there's another passage, there's another passage uh, which will uh, have that thing uh, to be excluded. And so uh, we might think, uh, let's, if we take these, for example, the Lord's Supper. We are authorized to have the Lord's Supper. And so what goes with the Lord's Supper? Well, we have the unleavened bread, and we have the fruit of the vine. We're going to need a couple of things with that. Historically, we've had what? A tray and a bunch of little cups. And then um, for, the, for the collection, which usually takes place uh, right after or right before, depending on where you're at, we have baskets or, tr- or, 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 or trays for that. Now, do we have any of that? No. But we, we, could, we could have the trays for the collection, uh, we could have the trays uh, for the fruit of the vine. We could have the trays for the bread. Or we could not have those, right? And up until uh, you know, a few months ago, who ever thought about doing the Lord's Supper without those things? Well, it turns out they weren't exactly necessary, were they? But they were certainly included. And so now we do it uh, with these, uh, you know, uh, pre-done and, uh, and uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, It's pasteurized. That's the word I can't remember. We have these pre-done and pasteurized and sealed and sanitary versions. And so we can have the Lord's Supper. What we need to have is the bread. And we need to have the fruit of the vine. We cannot substitute those parts, can we? Because that's the essential part of it. But what about anything external? We have whatever we need to get it to us, and now we have a sanitary concern. It uh, used to be it was just a, you know an orderly concern, but we have a concern of how to get that to us, and all those things. So when somebody says, well, where's your Bible authority for the plate, man? Well, it's right there with the bread, because we've got to get the bread there somehow, because even before the pandemic, who wanted uh, me to walk around and just hand it to you out of my hand? Well, none of y'all voted for that, right? And then people say, "Well, Matt should do it. His hands are (laughs) cleaner than Jay's, and he's got bigger hands too. He can hold more bread." It's like, no, we're not. Most of y'all are not going to prove either one of those plans. Well, that's why we have a plate, and so plates and attendants and trays and baskets. But if it's plastic cup, or if it's a glass cup, or if it's a pre-sealed cup, or all of those things, it, it matters. It really matters not. And so we go with what God has said. We implement that. And whatever we do, needing to do that, we can do that. And so we have, again, some things that are specified. And when a thing is specified, it takes everything else out. There is a law of uh, exclusion. Now, I'm going to quote a Latin phrase. I'm going to read it because you all know how good my Latin is, which is it's not. Inclusio unis es exclusio altris, which inclusion of one is the exclusion of another. And we understand this in all kinds of things. Where a thing is specified as that, then you're not going to do something else. And so in law, to specify one thing is to exclude something else. A good example of that might be with heirs in a will. Does the will tell all the people in Mulvane or all people in town who are not getting an inheritance? What does the will say? These are the people getting the inheritance. What does that say about everybody else? The deed says what? Who owns it? Does does the deed to your house say, and not Jay? Well, can I show up and say, hey, this is mine? No, it ain't. Yeah, it is. Does the deed say it ain't mine? You go, no, but it says it's mine. So to specify one is to exclude another, a prescription. The doc says you can have that medicine. Yeah, but I want that other one too because, you know, I, I've Googled it, right? I know what he should give me. He said, no, you're getting this one. But well, I wanted something else. The doc says what you can get. He doesn't have to list all the things that you don't get a recipe. It says how many cups of this and what ingredient of that. And if I want to make that dish, right, I'll make it that way. Now, when it comes to like the recipe example, people, oh, yeah, but hey, hey, Jay, I change the recipes all the time and it turns out better. Well, maybe it doesn't, maybe it doesn't, but you didn't make what the recipe said. And yes, there are some times when the recipe, it has to be done to a great deal of precision. Now, some things, like Aunt Betty's casserole, it kind of doesn't matter what she throws in there. And we're all going to tell her it's good, right? Even if there is way too much okra. We're going to tell her it's Aunt Betty's. We're going to tell her it's all good. But there's other times where, you know, it really does matter. A friend of mine, his wife is an excellent cook, and I'm there uh, several times a year. They make at Christmas the absolutely best peanut brittle you've ever had. It is unbelievable. It is better than anything I've ever seen in the store. It is great, and it is fresh, and it doesn't last the rest of the day. And her recipe is so precise that it requires a thermometer. (laughs) You've got to get that sugar to the exact, and when that sugar hits the exact number, then you do the next step. And if you get it too soon or you get it too late. But if you want to make it by the recipe, you're going to do that. So, yes, I know people change all kinds of things, but what we find is when it comes to the scripture, I think we should probably keep closer to it like most of these things instead of trying to find the example Well, we're just regularly do what we want as long as it's in the general ballpark. So here's some, here's some examples in scripture where something is specifically mentioned as excluded. And so the Bible, if it says one thing, it doesn't have to specifically exclude something else. But oftentimes for clarity, it does. So, like this Matthew 4 and 10. Jesus said to him, Begone, Satan, it is written, You shall worship the Lord God and serve him only. Now, if it just would have said, You shall worship the Lord God, what would some folks say? Well, I'll worship God. Also, Jupiter. <laughs> also, Venus. I hear that Bacchus, they got a good thing going on Thursdays down at the Bacchus Temple. No. We just worship God and God alone, like the commandment. You shall serve no other God. And so we do have sometimes, again, not always, but sometimes for absolute clarity, we have the exclusions stated. So this is where, and you know I can't do this sermon without talking about sending your son to the store, right? It's a requirement. If I send my son to the store and I tell him, get chicken, and I tell him, get Rotel, and get some tortillas, get that, what can he get? He can and should get exactly those things, right? Now, does it matter uh, how much chicken or what kind? Well, if he knows that we're making chicken enchiladas, he probably ought not buy chicken legs, right? But he'll need some, some sense to buy. But he's going to buy chicken. He's not going to buy beef or pork or the rest. He's going to buy chicken. When I tell him to buy the tortillas, he knows because he knows me, his father, he knows which brand I like. It's the Kroger brand because we get the store discount with James. But also he knows I like the big ones. So get the burrito size. And he knows exactly where those are because he's done it with me over and over. So he would know. I wouldn't have to tell him all the, all the tortillas not to get because he knows it's for me. He knows which one's too get because of other experience and that's how the bible works sometimes again we don't get it all in one passage we get it uh, this here and we get some in another passage well he's familiar and then also get the rotel now they got about six versions of that so I might need to specify if I really care right now if I send him down there to do that and he says hey can I get something else and I hand him a 50 dollars bill or if I just hand him my bank card what do we know is going to happen? Well, there's going to be four bags of Doritos and some other things in that buggy. We know that, right? But he's asked, what if I tell him just that? Well, then today is not Dorito Day. He's disappointed because every day for him is Dorito Day. But if I specify, if I don't specify, he has more freedom. If I give him, you know, an over overabundance of money for what I bought and, and, and uh, <laughs> and we have a past practice and he can buy a few extra things, then there would be some liberty. But this is how life works. We know when it's okay to do extra. We know when it's not. With the scriptures, we know with what God has said, that's fine. We know a lot of times he's specified no, and so we're going to be careful to do what God does, again, leaning not on our own understanding but his. We're going to go where what he has said And we're specifically and specially going to avoid the things he says to avoid. So, for instance, here's this passage. Uh, Again, the exclusion is directly stated. Let marriage be held in honor among all. And it says the marriage bed is undefiled. But then there's the specific exclusion of anything else. But fornicators and adulterers God will judge. So, yes, sometimes God goes ahead and specifies the forbidden. He doesn't always, but sometimes he does. Or this, uh, Philippians 4 Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your forbearing spirit be made known to all men, the Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, so no anxiety. With prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So here, here's how to live not an anxiety. With rejoicing, with forbearing, with prayer, with supplication, with thanksgiving, with request. There's a long list of do's, but there's also the exclusion of the don't. And so, what we'll note, with these passages, these are some uh, actually exceptions where the exclusion is stated, but most of the time, the the exclusion is implied, such as, Remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Well, what does that say about Monday? Well, what it it says without saying is go to work. That's what it says. But it doesn't say anything about Monday being holy. And so in in time and again, the exclusion is normally implied. So we think about how that works, and we'll go through these quickly. You probably uh, are familiar with these these, uh, Bible cases, such as Noah built an ark. Well, what can he build? An ark. Can he build a rowboat, a sailboat, a paddleboat, a canoe? No. He can build an ark. He's to make it out of gopher wood. Don't know what that was, but I guess he did. So, not oak, not poplar, not cedar, not balsa, not any other thing in the forest, but what kind of wood? Make it there. So, make the ark. Now, on the Passover, take a lamb without blemish. It's one year old, it's a male. It's to be offered on the first day, on the first month, on the 14th day. And so what are we going to change there? Where, are we going to bring a, a, a pig or a chicken or a heifer? Are we going to bring it, bring it with blemish? Are we going to bring it if it's older? Are we going to bring it if it's younger? Are we going to bring it if it's female? Are we going to bring it on the second month or on the eighth day or any other time? No. Well, except, actually, in this case, God did give A one exception, you could have it one month later under a certain set of conditions. You could have a makeup day. But there the exception is stated. And so any other day would be certainly and absolutely forbidden. Abraham, offer Isaac. What if he said, yeah, but Lord, I like him. Ishmael, not so much. Would you take Ishmael instead? Or how about Ishmael and two servants? And a donkey to be named later, like a baseball trade? No, just Isaac. Only Isaac. Don't offer yourself. Maybe you want to offer yourself instead of your son. Nope. Offer Isaac. Don't offer your wife. Offer only Isaac. So now we've got a New Testament example. We're to preach. We're to preach the gospel. That's what we're supposed to teach. Steve has had these wonderful songs about the story of Jesus and the way of Jesus. and We're we're to be following Jesus in all things. Uh, our, Our faith in him is the way of salvation. We're going to preach this good news that's in him. So we're gonna, we're, we cannot preach traditions or human philosophy or speculations or opinions. Uh, my job is to preach about Jesus. Now, would it matter if I did it in Mark this week and Luke next week? I'm, I'm preaching Jesus. What if I'm preaching the book of Philippians? I'm, I'm preaching the message of Jesus. So I'm to preach the gospel. I'm going to preach the way of salvation. And there it is believed. I could also add repent if I wanted and be baptized, but I quote Mark 16, 16 here, believe and be baptized. What if I taught only faith with nothing else, nothing behind it? What if I taught uh, just uh, be moral, be good, be nice? What if I taught the 10 commandments? What if like Acts 15, 2, I stood up like those men in Antioch and said, unless you keep the custom of Moses, you can't be saved. Well, we've been studying the Galatians on our Thursday night study. Paul's trying to run those guys out of the Galatian churches. And he withstood those who taught that in Antioch. And so we're going to teach this way of salvation. We're going to teach what the text says and not other. We we have a baptism that we teach. And there's many passages about baptism. We put them all together. It's quite obvious just by the definition of the word and the practice that was involved. We are going to bury people in water. We won't sprinkle them. We're not going to substitute that. And we're not going to pour on them. And we're not just going to pray over them. Uh, and have some kind of, you know, virtual baptism type thing, we're going to do an actual burial in water. And, and because these things are specified, who would accept substitution? I would hope we would not. Now, briefly, we have the work of the church. We have the five acts uh, 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 that are uh, we do uh, when we come together uh, on Sundays. Uh, uh, I suppose, actually, we could add... Uh, worship here as well, make it six, but um, uh, singing and teaching, I think, kind of cover that. But we might actually, some, some might specify worship as well. But in any case, we're to teach. We find the, the, the brethren coming together to hear, hear the teaching of the apostles and the words spoken beforehand by the apostles and prophets. We're to do that. We're to give, and we do that. Uh, we are to, to pray, and we have many passages, and we're to sing. I got 15 New Testament passages that mention singing. My only New Testament passage at all uh, that mentions playing uh, in the book of Revelation, uh, I have angels in heaven uh, with harps, which is uh, reminiscent of the old uh, uh, worship in the temple. And that's the only uh, place of, of worship music in the New Testament that isn't singing. It's in heaven by angels. It's not talking about the church on earth. The other mentions of playing in the New Testament, which it does mention several, it's all carnal things. And they're not church-related, but, but just mention of people in carnal situations uh, with instrumental music. So the church is a singing institution. Fifteen passages I can find, and prophecies I can find, but not the church playing and the Lord's Supper. Well, what would we what would we have instead of that? Well, we could have like some places have the motorcycles making the circus show, turning flips on the stage. We'd have to get a little bigger building. Um, We'd have to get a little better ventilation. Maybe we just had the BMX guys just do a big jump instead of the motorcycle guys. We wouldn't need as much space. No, we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't turn into that. But we wouldn't have, you know, the things of the Old Testament, animal sacrifices. We wouldn't have the incense. Um, We wouldn't have uh, uh, adoration of images and so many of those things. Uh, When we go to to Catholic churches in particular, we see so many vestiges both of Old Testament, uh, Jewish religion, and we see vestiges of paganism. Both of them held over into what's supposed to be the Church of Jesus Christ. Uh, In so many Protestant places, it's bands and organs, and and the instruments drowned out the singing. Or in so many other places, it's not the Lord's Supper that's the main thing that gets people together to have a communion meal. It's a common meal, and that's not in the text as well. So, Lord's Supper, we find it only on the first day of the week, very much like the Sabbath. Like the Sabbath, it's a first day of the week activity, why will we do it on another day? There's a little bit of scriptural reasoning that some people do it for Thursday night. But uh, what we find is that's, that is uh, pre-church. It's actually a Jewish Passover they took on a Thursday night, not the Lord's Supper, even though Jesus did institute there and so on what they would be doing in the kingdom and freshly anew, new. But uh, many take the Lord's Supper at other times. But they don't take it each Lord's Day, but on a quarter system or biannually or some places even just once annually. Actually, when I lived in Houston, again, going back a ways, I knew a lady who was in a church. They had not taken the Lord's Supper at that congregation in anyone's memory. Nobody could remember the last time they'd done it. And she suggested maybe they should and had a little bit of disagreement with the pastor of that church. But we have the bread, we have the fruit of the vine. So we might say, hey, uh, we could have roast lamb. Jesus is the lamb of God. He's a sacrifice. Let's have some lamb. I guarantee you, any way we prepared lamb would be more tasty than that current wafer. But we, we, we don't have it for the enjoyment of it, do we? Because there's a whole lot of things that are more enjoyable than that wafer as far as a physical experience. Anything at the candy rack at Casey's. Just pick one. Even the candy you don't like is better than that wafer as a physical experience, but that's not what it's for. It's a memorial of the body given, and the fruit of the vine is a memory of the blood given. And when we have other things that would not have that sim- symbolism, it would not follow the instruction. Funding. Here's the thing. What do churches do to get money? You just name it. Some churches done it to get money. What do we have in the New Testament? Only a voluntary giving. Only a voluntary giving. We don't have anything else. We have a Lord's Day contribution of a voluntary giving. Our, our great work. It's preaching. It's teaching the lost, worshiping God, it's, and teaching. And so we have passage after passage about teaching. I hope at times that, you know, when I say things that are kind of funny, I hope you at least recognize I'm, you know, trying to get the point with a little humor. But I can't get up here and give a, sh- a stage show. And there's probably better, you know, I, I know people that'll do a better job at that than me, right? If, they, if you want to laugh, if that's the main thing. Or if you want to be uh, informed, uh, you can probably get better lecturers who give out information. But our, our, our mission is to teach about Jesus to the lost. And other things beyond that are not in our brief. We edify the saints. We give relief to the needy saints. These things are specified we would not do otherwise. And we should not substitute another things. Now... Talking about though, that was where a thing is specified, and so there's other things excluded. But we also note when a thing is said, and we'll go back to a few of these same examples. When a thing is said, we can do all that inclu- all that's included in carrying it out. So Noah was to make an ark. With ark, there's a specification of ark and a rejection of all the other kind of boats, right? But what's in make? What's included in make? Uh, so when I see people who build things, I'm, I'm often impressed by the amount and the co- the cost and the quality of the tools. And the bigger the outfit, the more tools they got. And if you're going to build something the size of the ark, what kind of tools would that take? Uh, so does make include what? Well, I'm guessing pulleys and ropes and saws. And if you're going to put pitch on both sides, I'm guessing there's a whole bunch of paintbrushes involved, Right? Did Noah have to ask God, God, do you mind if I use a paintbrush? Or God, I'm going to seal the whole bottom of this boat with pitch. God, do you mind if I use a mop? No, what's all that included in? Make, right? So if we need a mop to spread around pitch on the bottom, if we need a paintbrush to get it up on on the higher walls of the uh, inside and outside, if we need scaffolding, uh, I mean, how tall is this thing? And you've got to get pitch all the way up the whole side of the thing. You know, Noah built a big old floating building, didn't he? How, what kind of tools would it take to do that? Well, they're all included because God said do what? Make it. And so whatever, whatever it took to build and make. So the Great Commission we mentioned, the, the, the one we probably most often use, go. Well, I can walk, I can ride, I can fly, I can sail, I can take a boat. In my, in my work to preach the gospel, I have taken planes and trains, and automobiles, and ferries, and uh, streetcars, and I've walked, I've taken taxis, I've taken my own car, I don't think I've ever gone on a motorcycle, (laughs) but just about if it's some kind of way to get there, I myself have used most of them, and that's all part of what? Go. And if we came up with a new kind of way to go, would we need to ask about that, or could we just go in that too? So go. Teach. I'm teaching. Today's the sermon. we got, we got sermons in the New Testament. And we, got, uh, we have Bible class setups. And we sometimes teach individually, and we sometimes teach in groups. Uh, sometimes it's on the radio. Uh, we put these in a podcast. Uh, some places they have the TV. This building behind me used to have a blackboard when that was state-of-the-art. And the preachers used to have their big charts made on sheets, right? And so uh, that's part of it, too. Uh, paper handouts. Uh, we, put, we make the videos. We put it on the web. Uh, what if we have an app? If we had an app for that, I'd use that too. Because the idea is to teach. And do we need specification of every different way and method to teach? It's all there in teach. Baptize. Does it care, no matter the Bible care if it's in a river? I baptize a guy in a river. I baptize a guy in a pond. I baptize a lady in, in a bathtub. I baptize them inside and outside. The one day it was snowing in a polluted East European river. I had to go take a shower afterwards because I was dirtier when I got out of the water than I went in. But it's a spiritual act, and she was cleaner than when she went in, at least in spirit. And so baptize. We need water. But what if it's a tub or a pool or an inflatable thing? It doesn't matter. It's all in there and baptize. Our assemble. Where can we assemble? Now, I could do that same list of all the places I've ever assembled with the saints, and you could too. How many different places and ways and times have you assembled with the saints? And it's all there in what? It's all in a symbol And meeting house in this part of the world, in this situation, seems to work best. I know some brethren in places, a meeting house would be like the worst idea they could ever have. Because the debt it would incur to have one, it's better to not have a meeting house. And so that, that's an expedient thing. It works for us, it might not work for them. Who needs a meeting house to assemble to worship the Lord? Well, technically, you don't need one, but it sure works well for us. And so on these things, it's general, and we do. So, again, we talk about Lord's Supper a bit. We talk about the containers a bit and the and we, way we distribute now. But also, we do it first day of the week. Uh, so I've, on first day of the week, I've taken the Lord's Supper pretty early in the morning. I've also taken it pretty late in the evening, and most of the hours are between, But as long as we're what? We're on the first day. What if we get into the second day of the week? Well, we've missed our opportunity. One will come back around. And so we have, again, what's included and what's excluded at the same time. Singing. What's excluded would be things not singing. I don't think we should be humming. Uh, Myself, that's not singing. And definitely we shouldn't uh, have the instruments. That just changes the nature of the whole thing. But we have to sing together. So we have a song leader. We have to know what to sing. we got to know we could do it from memory. We have quite a few songs memorized, but I think it's better to have them printed. What if they're printed on the songbook or what if they're printed on the PowerPoint? What is the difference? Makes no difference. What if we all had our iPad? Everybody swipe over on your iPad (laughs) to Hymn 37. Well, if that worked, that worked. What if we all sang together? What if we sang in harmony? What if we sang uh, in two parts? We're singing. We are singing. I think this is also why this congregational singing is why we don't have choirs. Because we're to sing, we're to participate, not to have someone sing for us. Lastly, and we could go on, but time, is, time has passed, just on benevolence. We're told to relieve uh, the needy saints. We're told to visit. Uh, that includes a lot of, with visiting to see how people are doing, that includes a lot. And relief includes just about anything that people might need. When you go to relieve the needy, when you go visit the sick, what might need to be done? It can be a long list, right? But because we're relieving the needy and doing so much for them, does that say that we should be uh, giving to the non-needy? No, we give to the needy. We relieve them in whatever distresses that they are in. And so in some cases, that's giving cash. In some cases, that's making, taking them to the doctor. In some cases, uh, that's you know, uh, fixing the window so that, you know, the draft doesn't hit them uh, as they're sitting there in their chair. Uh, that might be uh, helping them pay the heating bill. There's all kinds of things in relief, right? But because we do so much for these to whom we care, to care for, that doesn't say uh, that we have uh, permission to do whatever we want all the time uh, with things that aren't relief of the needy. Or the sick. All right, so as we say, we want with good reasoning, sound reasoning, uh, the kind of reasoning that you know we don't we don't just make up this reasoning for church, and and we also don't want to make this such a technical thing and, and detailed thing that nobody can figure it out, and we just need the doctors of the church to figure it out for us, but with the same kind of a faithful approach that we have in a stewardship of the blessings God gave us in this world and the way we deal with things normally, we deal with what the scripture says. Because scripture is written to common people, not to lawyers and not to doctors of the law and not to, you know, so-called experts. But God's given us a direction that we can follow. And again, back to that proverb, trust, not, uh, trust the Lord with all your heart and don't trust or lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he'll make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn from evil. And so with a reliance on the Lord, with a common sense understanding of what language means and, you know, just like what's included and excluded in, in normal instructions of life at your job and your family uh, and, and in your work and the like, use that kind of same good, sound reasoning uh, and, and care with the scripture so that we can follow in the way that Jesus has directed us and live as his disciples in the families and the congregations of God. With that, then, we'll close. Uh, this morning, we've not been talked about so much uh, our trust in the Lord. That's been implicit in this. Uh, you wouldn't go to this trouble to find out what the Lord wanted unless you trusted him to guide you. But having, trusting him to guide us, uh, if you uh, need to come confessing your sins to him, or if you need to come confess him, to begin the walk of faith, uh, we'll offer the invitation as we stand and sing. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at mulvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.